podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Stacey Copeland, Welcome guys, it's episode 51, Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast, and it's Sean Bastow, your host here as always. So, just wanted to touch on then, what's gone on over the past delivers the right hand, probably one of the best punches of 2018, destroys Payano in one round in the World Boxing Super Series. Callum Johnson, Gavin McDonald's world title challenges ended in failure this weekend, and we've also got the Frank Warren card on the show to discuss, plus... All the action coming up in the Newcastle card this coming weekend and this week in boxing history. All on episode 51 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. for nearly two years and coming back and winning the British title in emphatic style of Frank Bogleone it was a fight where you just didn't know whether Callum had that level in him. It's shown the world that he is a light heavyweight to be reckoned with. Baturbiev is has been dropped before. It's not the first time he got dropped. When Johnson got caught with that shot in the first round, that put him down. I wasn't sure whether or not that was an illegal punch or not because Johnson was back was to Baturbiev and his head was practically through the ropes and as he was trying to come out of the ropes it was like you know the referee wasn't breaking it up as such to to let Johnson come out and then that little short hook came in from Baturbiev which dropped him out to the second round and then Johnson cracks Baturbiev with a great shot as Baturbiev's coming in and drops Baturbiev and I thought this is it this is his dreams come true this is the chance for him to become that world champion he's always wanted so badly to become and he, he just didn't seem to take the chance when it was there when Paterbio got dropped and got up I was thinking Callum Johnson's going to finish this now it's going to be another emphatic when it's going to you know he's going to shut the world here but he just seemed to back off and, and not put it on him and, and he has said in, in post fight interviews that that was his mistake that he should have put it on him when he had the chance and I suppose that is inexperience at the world level is not knowing when to finish your opponent maybe he was giving Paterbio the respect and a little bit too much respect there because Paterbio is no mug and we've seen that, and we've seen that in previous fights, and we've seen it again on oh, nearly hours of Sunday morning against Callum Johnson. He came back and he stopped him in the fourth, and you know he continues his impressive run of 13 fights undefeated, and every one of them have been stopped, you know, either by a retirement or a KO or a TKO. So Paterbiev is still looking like the monster that he is, and he's got defensive frail as Paterbiev. So you know, if you fought someone like Donna Stevenson or Kovalev, could you see him doing the same things to them? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe Kovalev. I don't think Kovalev's the same fighter he once was. But Adonis Stevenson is, is yet really to be massively tested, I think. I think. I think we've not really seen him in a major, major fight where he's overcome this major adversity to, to, to stay the champion or become a champion. So I wouldn't mind seeing that for Baturbiev in the future. But Callum Johnson's certainly shown that he is world-level you know, quality. And he can go in there with any of them light heavyweights in that division and give them a good fight. He may win some, he may not, but he's definitely there at world level and I'd love to see him get another crack at the world title, definitely. Gavin McDonnell, just to touch on that, was on the undercard against Daniel Roman and lost. And I've said this before about Gavin McDonnell, I wasn't sure whether or not he'd be world level and he'd ever win a world title. And he got stopped by Roman in this fight and... He didn't look as good as what I've seen him, to be honest. And people might sit there and say, well, he's not world level, that's why. 
I think he's he's definitely European and, and a little bit more maybe. I think he's sort of between European and world. I mean, when he fought Ray Vargas, who's being argued as one of the best fighters in the division, he went 12 rounds with him and lost. And Ray Vargas has gone on to become a better fighter. So people are going off that basis. But I don't know if, if he is the, the guy that could become a world champion. I mean, if he fought a weaker champion, then maybe. I mean, people might say Daniel Roman was a weaker champion. And he should have beat him if he was going to do anything, but he didn't. So I don't know whether Gary McDonald will end up going on to become a world champion in the future. I think that remains to be seen at this stage. But he obviously lost on that on that bill. Uh, Thomas Delorme and Jesse Vargas battled to a draw. And Jesse Vargas, that was practically his fight. He should have won that fight, but then because he got dropped so late on in the final round... That, for me, is what swayed the fight to a draw. It was another great fight. It was a decent few fights on the card, actually. I think Matchroom USA the uh, and, and DAZN, I think the American fans, the reception I'm getting from people on Twitter and, and hearing different podcasts from America, it seems to be the reception that it was a decent card and they actually enjoyed it. You had big baby Jarrell Miller beating Thomas Adamek, which was expected in that fight and, and then he goes on now to potentially look at one of the big heavyweights in the future so overall it was a really good it was a really good card it was a, it was a solid card I, I say really good it was a solid card with some solid fights on it I think and uh, it was re- really really good to see the you know British contingent in action it's just a shame we didn't get the results we wanted as British fans but I wanted to start with the USA stuff first because for me they were the most significant fights uh, over the weekend and then we move back to Britain where we get the Frank Warren card in Leicester where we've seen again a solid card probably just about a solid card because of one or two fights on that card so the main fight for that card was Jack Catterall and O'Hara Davis and it wasn't a great fight to watch O'Hara Davis for me He's lacking a class trainer in his corner. He's lacking somebody that's going to give him the direction he needs to go on because he's got the tools and he's got... It sounds dead cheesy when I say it, but he's got the equipment to do well. But he just doesn't seem to have that that right direction. And I think that's what he's missing. And it's shown again... I compare him a little bit to sometimes the way Eubank's been. Chris Eubank Jr., that is. And the way sometimes the corner, he's a bit... There's no... There's no support, there's not enough support for them there. He just feels like he's kind of doing what the hell he wants and he'll do it how he wants and not really getting the guidance he needs to, to, to go on and become the great fighter that he could be. But then other people are just going to argue, well, that's just how Harry Davis is, just who he is. He quit against Josh Taylor. You know, he, he's not looked good since. I, feel, I still think he's a good fighter. I still think he's got great potential, but he didn't really show it again and Jack Catterall moves on as he is one of the top prospects in the super lightweight division now like the old lightweight away division Jack Catterall is the next British light welterweight super lightweight hope obviously we've got the likes of Terry Flanagan in the World Boxing Super Series but behind him when you think of other guys in the UK you think of Jack Catterall now and he's the next one to, to potentially move on to European level next, I think. And, and that's where Jack Catterall needs to go. And that's where his team needs to take him next. So Jack Catterall versus O'Hara Davis. A bit of a bore fest, to be fair. Not one for the casual audience. Jack Catterall could only do what was put in front of him. O'Hara Davis didn't live up to expectation. Didn't live up to any of the hype or the build-up surrounding it. So we got a bit of a disappointing main event, really. Going down the card, it was an absolute cracking fight between Leon Woodstock Jr. and Archie Sharp. 
Now, Leon Woodstock Jr. was the, the man in that division that was touted to go on and do big things and obviously undefeated before this, so was Archie Sharp. So it was a really, really good 50-50 fight and Archie Sharp came out on top and now he picks up this, uh, I can't remember what title it was, this WBO sort of international title that there was there on the line at the time. But for me, Leon Woodstock Jr. now has, has, has had, a, uh, I wouldn't say a wake-up call, but he's been putting a, a fight a really good fight and he's shown uh, he has got potential to go on and do well but he's come up against someone who was better on the night so it was a really really good fight that that for me kind of made the card I think with, with, with that showing I think the rest of the card I mean I'll just touch on some of the other the fights that were on there heavyweight Daniel Dubois a lot of people were looking forward to seeing Daniel in action and we're expecting him to blow away Kevin Kingpin Johnson and that didn't happen so all of a sudden everybody is jumping all over his back like oh well Daniel Dubois he isn't the next Anthony Joshua Anthony Joshua stopped Kevin Johnson in what two rounds but yeah Daniel Dubois couldn't do it if any of you guys have been following what Daniel Dubois have been doing you will know that he said on numerous occasions he wants rounds he needs rounds that's exactly what he got on Saturday night against Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson is a guy who's been here with some of the best. We know this. And we know on, on his night, he knows how to survive and he knows how to tuck up well. And that's exactly what he did. Could Dubai have ended it sooner? Yeah, possibly. But when you're fighting a guy who's there to survive and knows how to survive, then you've got to be in for a long night. And it was great to see Dubai getting them rounds in for me. And I'm happy because... I want to see him get the rounds in, test the stamina. You know, I want to see him be tested on the chin next. I want to see whether he can come overcome that adversity. That'll be the next test for me before you yeah, start saying, right, he's now ready for the bigger fighters. You, you know, we want to see him fight Nathan Gorman. That was a fight that people are talking about and he's been hyped up and hyped up and hyped up. And every time you mention one name, the other name pops up alongside it. So it's a fight that's been brewing and hopefully we'll get next year in 2019 when they've had a few more fights between them and you know there's a lot more at stake at the time maybe a British heavyweight title fight at some point would be interesting so Danny Dubrai picks up a win on that card as well Nicola Adams wins the interim WBO female flyweight title against Isabel Milan so she picks up her first it's a portion of a world title. Let's let's be honest. It's not an official world title. In most people's eyes, it's a portion of a title. But on paper, it is classed as a world title. So she's now gone from you know four fights in to five fights in, and we're essentially with this world title. So it's great to see that she is being moved on. And I've said this on the previous episode that she needs to be moved on quick because age isn't on her side anymore. She's 35. I mean, the depth of the women's division isn't great and it is obviously starting to become bigger and bigger as the last couple of years have gone on. But she's at a stage where within the next couple of years, really, well, how long do you want to see her in the game for? Do you want to see her in two, three years, get to 37, 38, you know, have won world honours, been, been in some big fights? That's quite a possibility. But there's not a great deal of depth in the divisions, so it's more it's difficult to make the fights if there's no fighters to go in there with. Obviously, we want to see her in big fights. We want to see her in these world title fights. And if you look through, you know, the division, 
in the world there's only 176 female fighters in her division in the world so that just tells you that you know that there isn't a lot out there for her to, to go in she's ranked in the top 10 of the world fighters at the moment in the world female fight so i want to see her in with someone out of that top 10 now and i want to see her in with a really good fighter someone she can go in there and, and, and show how good of a professional fighter she is. We know how good of an amateur she is. We've seen glimpses of how good of a professional fighter she is. Now we want to see full-on world title shots, you know, the, the, everything. We want to see the lot, and I hope they can deliver that for her. Sam Bowen was on the card and picked a fantastic body shot to beat his opponent, Horatio Cabral, on Saturday night after four rounds. Now, we've seen Sam Bowen and another guy in the featherweight division who's starting to make waves. The super featherweight division, I might add, not the featherweight division. Super featherweight division, he's starting to make waves in that division now. And he moves to 14-0 with that win. He's won a vacant WBO Intercontinental Super Featherweight title. As we know, the relationship and Mr. Warren have. It's it's great that he's able to sort of get these titles attached to these fighters and give him them rankings with the WBO and essentially take him down that route. But it isn't as well regarded as the other boxing organisations, the governing bodies. So it's just a way of kind of getting these guys. And fair play to him, he's obviously he's been doing it for years, we know that. So Sam Bowen picks up another win. Obviously wins on the card there for the likes of Ryan Hatton, Callum Blockley, Joe Mafosa, Raza Hamza and CJ Challenger. And not forgetting Mark Heffron, who has just been announced today as we're recording this podcast. He's now getting his shot at the British middleweight crown against the champion. So so Mark Efron and Jason Wellborn are going to go out on the undercard of Cal Frampton versus Josh Warrington on the 22nd of December. And we're looking forward to seeing Mark get that shot. I've been following Mark for, for years, even before I started the boxing media stuff. I knew he was a local lad. I knew he was a guy that looked like he was going to go places. He's now 21 and 0. And he is looking like he's on a collision course uh, to, to, to blow his way through the British middleweight division. And if he beats Wellborn, then he's at the top of the pile there. And, and then that hopefully we can see Mark get moved on into bigger and better fights. Mark is currently ranked in the world around about 36 in the world out of 1,500 fighters. And when you think about it, you know, you look through the rankings and you look at the likes of people that are only slightly above him. Gary Spike O'Sullivan. And you've got Jason Quigley, Gabriel Rosado. You know, he's starting to know these names now that he's going to start be mixing with soon. And that's going to be really interesting when he does get that big British middleweight fight. I'm looking forward to seeing where Mark's career goes and I can't wait to see him on the 22nd on that undercard. So, like I said, it was... With a couple of fights on that card, probably the Woodstock Junior, Artie Sharp, Sam Bowen's performance, Nicola Adams' performance, I think that kind of saved the card a little bit I don't think it was a fantastic card you know the matchroom one I was talking about earlier was solid that was a solid card for me this one was not so solid but had a couple of fights on there that you know a lot of people were interested in probably let down a lot by the main fight and I think that's why people would have gone away with a little bit of a bitter taste in the mouth and it was dead late as well it was like, it went on to like midnight, it was you know, ridiculous timing. I mean, I'm glad I wasn't there, essentially, because I would have been getting home at like 2, 3 in the morning. It wasn't really, uh, the timing didn't seem to be didn't seem to be right, to be honest. But, fair play, it was, uh, I just, I 
I just I say I just above average show. That's what I'd say. Not want to slate you too much because I do go to some of these shows and I do really enjoy them. And sometimes they don't always deliver what's on paper. And unfortunately, this one didn't. So you had that card there on the Saturday night, and it's been a, you know a really good few weeks for boxing and. We're going to get another weekend of it coming up soon, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast. I was looking at the schedules, actually, today, and I was looking at what's coming up this weekend. I was thinking, right, what's coming up this weekend? We've got some really, really great fights, but let's move back over to what we were talking about over the weekend. Now, I said at the top of the show, you heard me talking about the monster, Naoa Anue, and that right hand, that detonated right hand, that knocked out Piano was absolutely amazing. I mean, I am going to go out there and say it was amazing. That shot was brilliant. This man, for me, is he's going to win this tournament. I'm telling you now, he's going to win the World Boxing Super Series Bantamweight Tournament. He, the guy is just, he just can't be stopped. And maybe there is somebody out there like Zolani Tete who can do it. But based on what I've seen of Inoue, he just he's blowing his opponents away. I mean, Payano never been stopped. Only one defeat on his record. You would have expected rounds in this fight. But for Inoue to blow him away within 70 seconds with a shot that he, he, he would have seen coming, Payano. He knew. He had, the, he had the gloves up waiting for it to pour it away, to pour that jab and setting up for that right hand. But he was just so fast, so quick and so accurate. He couldn't stop it coming. He really couldn't stop it coming, and I feel for him because you know you're getting in with the likes of anyway. You must think to yourself beforehand, right? What have I got to do now to um? What have I got to do to to, to beat this guy? How am I going to avoid these big punches that you know they're talking about? And it's just no chance. There was no chance. And now anyway, he's he's got to be everyone's favourite now. Surely, surely people are going to be saying he's going to win that bantamweight tournament. On that card as well, you had Kiro Relic in the super lightweight tournament. He beat Edward Travanoski and he goes on to the next round of the World Boxing Super Series. I think I was talking about this on last week's episode, that there was no TV deal in place for it. Uh, the Sourlands actually tweeted, I think it was a day before, saying you can watch the fights on the website. So it was good that we were able to watch him uh, as fight fans. I was just surprised he didn't pick up any sort of TV deal. Maybe they'll continue just to stream him on the website. Uh, you know, give it to the fans for free. Stop making people pay for it. I'll probably you know, be talking a lot of crap there when I say that because they probably will make some of the next fights pay-per-view. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, we've got Terry Flanagan's fight coming up at the end of October. So that'll be interesting to see whether they've actually got that. And then uh, obviously Josh Taylor's fight coming up as well in the in the Super Lightweight division for the World Boxing Super Series tournament. So we'll just have to wait and see whether they get some sort of TV deal put in place by then. But it was great to have it and great to be able to watch it and not have to actually pay for it and, and be given it as a little surprise from the Sowerlands. It was great. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed watching the fights uh, on Sunday, you know, and actually being able to be up at a normal time watching the fights was really good as well. So, Kuro Relic moves on. Neo and Uri moves on, respectively, in their divisions in the World Boxing Super Series. So, we're going to get over and start talking about what's to come because this weekend coming up, we've got some great fights coming and I think I need to sort of touch on some of the notable ones because there's quite a few (laughs) there really is quite a few fights coming and I didn't realise till today when I was thinking right I'm going to do the podcast tonight I'm going to have a quick look and I'm just going to see 
Uh, I know of some of the fights that are on, but I'm not too sure if there's other ones that I'm missing out on. And actually, there's loads. There's loads coming up this weekend. And it's, it's ones that I think is very notable to talk about. We've got the matchroom boxing bill coming up this weekend. Louis Ritson is fighting in his hometown in Newcastle. And he's got the opportunity to become the European lightweight champion against Patera. So that's going to be the one that most people are going to be excited for. To see whether the Jordi Golovkin, as it's being aptly named, can go in there and do another number. But this time on a European level fighter. Can he step up to that level? Can he answer questions that are being asked of him at the moment? It's going to be good to see whether he can or he can't. Because he's blew away all the domestic opposition. He really has. He's fought everybody who's anybody at that level. So, for me, now it's a step up he needs. Is Patera the man to to take him far? To take him round? To give him a problem? (sighs) No, probably not. That's my initial thought on it. I don't think he will be. He's 19-3. For me, he's not been in the same sort of level of opposition as Ritson has recently. He's fought Sean Dodd. That's probably the most ne- notable, notable name on there that you will know. Uh, maybe you'll know Ivan Mendy, who he lost to in 2016. But other than that, most fans won't know who else he's fought. So for me, it's a straightforward win for him. Whether it'll be a tough win, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't seem to be the type of guy that, that seems to get stopped quite easily. So it might take Lewis Ritson rounds to, to dispatch this man. But he needs rounds. To me, he does need rounds. We've seen him go rounds with... Robbie Barrett, when he did win the British title on the Crawler undercard uh, about a year ago. So we did see him get rounds in this one, but he's just blowing the guys away now for fun. And you want to see whether he's going to be able to do it again and whether he's going to be able to continue this streak. And Saturday night's going to tell us. On that card, we've also got a really, really good fight for the British Super Lightweight title and Commonwealth Super Lightweight title between Glenn Foot and Robbie Davis Jr., that's going to be a really good fight. And again, it's another fight that I am actually looking forward to. Obviously, Glenn Foote, as you know, he is the local man. He's from Sunderland. He's fighting in Newcastle. It's on his doorstep. It's going to be a great fight for him. He's been in some great fights. He had a great fight with Josh Lever last year. Uh, he lost to Akeem Ennis Brown in 2017 as well. But he's been in some great fights as of late. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how Clem Foot can progress and whether he can beat Robbie Davis Jr. Now, Robbie Davis Jr. has really impressed me. He, he had his fight with Michael, I can't pronounce his name, Swarakta? Swarakta? I don't even know why I bother trying. You know the fella. The fella that knocked him out at Wembley Arena in July 2017. And then he came back at the end of March this year and knocked him out and got the World Boxing Association Continental Super Lightweight title. So, uh, it's just put me off saying, trying to say that name. is ridiculous. Uh, I, I can't even like pronounce it at all. I'm not even going to try and have a go. But Robbie Davis Jr. has really improved. And for me now, it's uh, another big step up for him and a really great opportunity to, to put his name on the map again and, and be talked about because he is a great fighter. And he's a fighter that I think could go on to do big things. I just think he got caught cold in that fight uh, with the the Polish opponent, because whose name I can't say. And he came back and he avenged that loss. And fair play to him for doing that. Now it's time for him to move on. Now it's time for him to start beating guys like Glenn Foot. If he beats Foot, then we can seriously start considering him as a, a major player in that division in Britain. 
obviously a level one the British title, so that kind of makes him the major player. But you know when you've got the likes of Josh Taylor floating around, who I, I know he's in the World Boxing Super Series, he's elite, he's probably world level, blah de blah de blah. But when you sort of compare it to who else is around the division at the moment, got some really great fighters. You've got Catterall, Flanagan, Josh Taylor. I mean, O'Hara Davis, Josh Lever still around, Tyrone McKenna. There's some really great fighters out there in that particular division. So the winner of this for me really starts to move on to them bigger fights. That's essentially where the career should be going after this fight. Win, lose or draw. I think it's it's great fight for both of them. And I, I am looking forward to that. The card uh, with them two fights is then stacked up with... A lot of fights that are probably sort of standard matchroom fights at times where it's journeyman versus prospect. I mean, you've got the likes of Jose Burton on the card. You've got Thomas Patrick Ward on the card. You've got Anthony Fowler, David Allen. You know, these are going in against guys. You're just expecting them to bowl over. There is a great cruiserweight fight on that card that maybe no one has talked about, which is Simon Valili against Craig Glover. Now, this, for me, is a, is a really good cruiserweight fight. Simon Valili was fighting against Arthur Nickbell earlier on this year in June, and it was a cracking fight, and it was for the English cruiserweight title, and it turned out to be a draw. And it was, you know, again, it's, he was on a bit of a, a bit of a run himself. And the only loss Valili had on his record was against Marius Bradis, who was in the World Boxing Super Series. So we know that a fight with Glover is, you know, it's a big fight, really, because Glover is being touted as another real great cruiserweight coming through the ranks very quickly, managed by none other than cruiserweight Tony Bellew. He's being touted as, you know, the next great cruiserweight by some people. I'm not suggesting that person's me or one of them people, but I have seen him box live and he looked good, but he can only look as good as what's put in front of him. So this fight for Craig Lover and for Simon Villili is a good turning point for both of the careers. So I am looking forward to it and I think it could be a real dust upon the card. One that's probably not being talked about as it should be. We've also got the return of Joshua Boazzi on this card as well against Tony Avalan. WBA International Light Heavyweight title is on the line here. It's going to be interesting to see where this one goes because we've seen Tony Avalan against none other than Anthony Yard, who Boazzi has talked a lot about wanting to step in the ring with, even he's had half the fights of. Now, Anthony Yard beat Avalan earlier on this year. It was in February. And he won the WBO European Light Heavyweight title and the WBO Intercontinental Light Heavyweight title. So if Joshua Boazzi goes in and does just as much of a number on him, then for me, that fight starts to become even more logical. Because it's not as if Avalanche fought Yard four years ago, three years ago, two years ago. He's fought in this year. So if Boazzi goes in and just destroys him within two, three rounds, and Anthony Yard, it took him seven rounds to, to, to get the corner to retire him, then... You start to question if that fight you know, can happen now, even though they've got different levels of experience. But with Boazzi having the amateur experience, you expect that to be transitioned over. And it's a fight that I've spoke about before on the podcast, and I think is logical and can happen. And I would let it happen at this stage of the careers, because I feel Anthony Yard needs a big test. And I feel Boazzi, how long is it going to be before you step him up? How long is it going to be? How long are you going to hold him back for? Throw him in there. I mean, if Eddie Hearn's throwing Isaac Chamberlain and uh, Lawrence O'Cola in with each other like they had this year, why not throw these two fellas in with each other? I think that's something that should happen later on this year, and I would love to see it. So you've got Boazzi on that card as well. 
But as I was saying, obviously it's a, a sort of standard half and half sort of matchroom card, journeyman prospect, and then a few good fights to look forward to. Also on Saturday night, we've got Elliot Stott for Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat covering the Cyclone Promotion Show down at the York Hall, where Lee McGregor fights Tyson Somba for the vacant Commonwealth Bantamweight title. Chantal Cameron fights for the IBO World Female Lightweight title. And then we've got Martin Bacole against Michael Hunter, which is a fight I personally am looking forward to with that one, because a lot's been said about Martin Bacole. I think he's he's been sparring a lot, hasn't he, Joshua? Joshua's brought him in as a great sparring partner. Now, Bacola's been touted as a guy who's avoided in the domestic heavyweight scene. Obviously, he was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo, but bases himself up in Scotland and resides in Scotland. He is one to watch, he really is. And Billy Nelson, trainer of Bacola, he can't shout enough about him on Twitter. And loads of people get into interactions with Billy Nelson about how good this guy is. And we've seen him. If you've seen him live, you know how good he is. Now, he's going in against Michael Hunter. You may not know a lot about Michael Hunter. Michael Hunter was previously uh, down in the cruiserweight division and then has decided to make this step up to heavyweight. He's got one loss on his record against Alexander Usyk. Now, that was for the WBO Cruiserweight title. That was last year when Usyk fought him. Now, he got beat off Usyk via a unanimous decision, and he's now gone on and moved up to heavyweight. So he has done 12 rounds with the guy who's currently the unified Cruiserweight champion, but moving up to heavyweight is a different kettle of fish. You're moving up, you're putting the extra weight on. Is he going to be able to take one of these big punches from Bacoli? Because Bacoli is a big puncher, a big punch, and if you've seen him, you'll know exactly what I mean. I am looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a great fight for the card. And I am looking forward to seeing what happens and how Bacoli's career progresses should he be victorious on Saturday night. A couple of other good fights on the card there. Uh, Chris Billon Smith versus Robin Dupree. We've got the return of Luis Adolfe. Uh, you got a few of the prospects on that card as well. Really, really busy for boxing across the country the weekend as well because we've got shows in Scotland we've got a great show from Steve Goodwin down in Tottenham Greens Pools and Fitness Centre so there's, there's quite a lot going on this weekend and then if we move over and we start looking at what's going on in America that's when it starts to get tasty because this weekend we've got the return of Terence Crawford against Jose Benavides Jr two undefeated fighters and it's the WBO title on the line. Looking forward to seeing Terence Crawford back in the ring. He's, he's an elite level fighter, and I've said this for a long time. He's shown us this. Jose Benavides Jr., this is a massive step up for him. He's 27-0. He's undefeated. This is his chance to become a world champion. He's got a tough, tough test on his hands here. A tough ask. Has he had the right level of experience to go in with a guy like Crawford? On paper, yes. In reality, possibly not. We'll see. I'm looking forward to seeing it because you just never know sometimes. We might see this upset. Jose Benavides Jr. might end up becoming the welterweight champion of the world and bursting this Terence Crawford bubble. But my money would be on Terence Crawford. To, he's just a superior fighter. He's just He is levels above everyone else. And that is why I'd like to see the fight with Errol Spence because he is another fella that is levels above a lot of the other opponents in that division. So you've got that fight on the undercard. You've got up-and-coming featherweight Shakur Stevenson going in against Ferriol Simeon. 
Uh, Simeon, I think he fought Lee Selby, if I remember right. And Scott Quigg, just checking quickly. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I was right. Scott Quigg and Lee Selby. I just quickly checked on box right then. So I, I thought I'd recognise the name. So good test, really, for Reshko Stevenson. He's looking a really good fight here in America at the moment. You know, he's been in with some quality operators. He'll give... Shakur Stevenson some rounds. This is for WBC Continental America's featherweight title. So basically, it's like them world, these little sort of world-rated titles that we get over here, like Intercontinental WBO titles, you know, them type of titles. That's what it is in America. They've got their versions of it. So they've got two good fights over in America this weekend. So it's them ones to watch out for. So, yeah, a big weekend for boxing. I wouldn't say it's a major weekend for boxing, but I would say it's a really good weekend for boxing, especially if you you like all your small horse shows in the UK. There's a lot going on this weekend. So let's move on then. Let's go over to this week in boxing history. I've missed it. We've not done it for ages. It's been so busy the past few weeks, and I've just neglected this week in boxing history. So are you ready, guys? Let's have a chat. Let's talk about what's been going on this week in boxing history. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia, he's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. So, it's this week in boxing history, and what have we got for you on this week's episode of it? Well, we've got Joe Calzaghe and Chris Eubank. That is senior. In 1997, on the 11th of October, this date that I'm recording the podcast, going 12 rounds to the vacant WBO title. I remember that fight, and I remember it very well because it was on the undercard of a Nassim Hamed Jose Badil fight. And at the time, it was not long after I really started watching boxing as as an 11 year old. Uh, I, I was the first period of time was sort of Tyson Bruno. It was my first big major pay per view fight, but. I started getting into all these, you know, domestics fights and I started to see people like Eubank and people like Nassim Hamed and at that point in time when they fought, you know, they were big, Hamed especially was a big star and Joe Calzaghe was the up-and-coming young, hungry lion and it was a great fight between the two and it went 12 rounds, it went the distance and one of the toughest fights of Calzaghe's career and he, he's openly admitted that since he's retired and it was a great fight Eubank was coming towards the end of his career at this point but he was still a really really tough test for Joe Calzaghe who then picked up his first world title I think he went on with that WBO title for God, was it about 10 years or something like that? It was something ridiculous anyway, I, I remember it being a long time that he held on to that standard Frank Warren title because it was Frank Warren promoting him back in the day, back in 97. Also on that card was the Nassim Hamid fight. And again, he is just oh, the man. He's a oh, fantastic fighter, he was. He's a great fighter. And he's someone like him, he's just missed so much in boxing, I think, at the moment in this day and age. And no matter what people say about him, about, yeah, he didn't achieve what he should have achieved. You know, he he went into the massive biggest fight of his career against Pereira and just tried to outgun him and got outboxed. And, yeah, that was just one of them things. But it was back then, you know yourself as a fan what it was like watching Hamid back then. It was amazing. It, it was the, the entrances, you know, the flying carpet, the thriller, everything, just the whole package was amazing. It was brilliant. 
On the same date, October the 11th, a year earlier, Floyd Mayweather made his debut against Robert Apodaca in Las Vegas. Floyd Mayweather, look at what he's gone to do in his career. His debut a year earlier, 1996, the 11th of October. And on the same date, on the 11th of October, 2008, it was the... I don't know, it wasn't really the return. I was just thinking, was it the return? No, it was Vitaly Klitschko knocking out Sam Peter, retaining the WBC heavyweight title back in 2008. And finally, on the same day, Chad Dawson beat Antonio Tarver over 12 rounds to win the IBF light heavyweight title. So the 11th of October was quite a busy day in boxing history, uh, for sure. There was a lot of fights going on uh, and a lot of big wins over big opponents and then we got the 12th of October the most notable one for me personally again as a boxing fan was when Robin Reed became the WBC super middleweight champion by knocking out Vincenzo Nardello in Milan and that's when he became the big champion in the division and he went on to have some really really great fights with the likes of Calzaghe and that robbery against Sven Ocker back in 2001 I think it was so yeah, we've got some um, some really big fights in history there. I've really enjoyed going through the the boxing history stuff because there's so many different fights over time, and you think to yourself, you might not watch them at the time, but you've as a boxing fan, you'll have always caught up with them somehow through the wonders of videotapes back in the day, through the wonders of DVDs, and and now through the wonderful world of YouTube, we get to see all this stuff. So it's quite amazing. So I definitely recommend you go back and you have a look through some of these fights that I've mentioned today because there's some great fights on there. There's some really, really good, interesting starts to people's careers, some really, really great tough fights and, you know, some great showmanship from uh, Mr. Nazim Hamid. So, that concludes this week in Boxing History. I'll go to the final segment of today's episode then. And the final segment, as always, let's talk about what's going on. It's news and gossip. News and gossip then, I think there's only one place to start and a hot topic of conversation in the past few days was Billy Joe Saunders and the decision to vacate the WBO title. Well, scandals, scandals all around, what can I say? First of all, he, you know, he was slated and fined £100,000 for the social media video we talked about a couple of episodes back. And now, because of a nasal spray that contained a substance which is essentially banned with certain organisations, he's now being told that he was going to be stripped of his title because he wasn't going to get a licence. So they've made the decision to vacate it. And if you go on and have a look online, there's a statement from Frank Warren, and I'm just going to read it out to you what it says if you've not already heard it. So... On Tuesday, at a hearing, the Massachusetts State Athletic Commission determined that it would not issue a license to Billy Joe Saunders for him to defend the WBO middleweight title against Demetrius Andrade in Boston on October the 20th, following an adverse finding in a test carried out by the Voluntary Anti-Doping Association, otherwise known as VADA. To be clear, the MSS 
AC governance on doping regulations expressly adhere to the prohibited list set by the WADA, the WADA. The WADA list distinguishes between substances prohibited at all times and substance prohibited in competition. The chemical detected in the test supplied by Billy Joe ingested via a nasal spray is on the list of substances prohibited in competition. Therefore, it is not a prohibited substance for the purpose of the WADA list and therefore the application of the MSAC rules at the time of the vending test was carried out. So, that's part of the statement. I don't want to read all of it to you. Basically what they're saying is one agency uh, of saying that it's a banned substance and one agency is saying they're a little bit more relaxed on it and it's... I feel sorry for him, actually. I didn't feel sorry for him the other week, but I feel a little bit sorry for him now because it just seems like there's, there's just all these fine lines with drugs and drugs testing and it's... You need to be clear. Everybody needs to be singing from the same hint sheet. You need to be saying definitively, in competition, out of competition, all times, whenever. You need to say if it's, if it's illegal or not illegal to take it. Simple as that. Little products like nasal sprays can have these type of drugs in them essentially that are there to help people with nasal issues but then have these certain other effects on the body that can give some sort of performance enhancing (laughs) performance enhancing effect a positive effect on the fires i just i don't want to go into the absolute ins and outs of it because to be honest with you I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs of the the whole drug testing thing. As far as I'm concerned, from my perspective, all the agencies need to be singing from the same hymn sheet. And in this instance, it's made they've made the decision for him to before they strip him of the title, he's going to have to vacate it. Which I do feel for him because he's been kind of backed into a corner a little bit here. If he's never been tested positive before, then this is this is again, it's just silly. It's just silly, the whole... I, I, I do agree drug testing it needs to be strict and it needs to be all across the board. But when one person's saying it's all right and the other person's saying it's not, there's, there's too much inconsistency in it for me. That's the problem. That is the issue in my eyes. There's too many inconsistencies within drug testing uh, and, and how they do these things. WBC talked about a this clean boxing program, which sounded like a really great idea. I listened to the interview on the Five Live podcast, actually. Shout out to them. And that interview with Solomon, Jose Solomon, was, was, was right. He was right in what he was saying. That was the best way to do it. Best way to do things. And... I hope it works out, but they need to do it across the board. They need to do these types of things across the board. And now, what happens for Billy Joe Saunders now? Where does he go? It's it's crazy, absolutely crazy. And then we get this replacement in the unbeaten African Walter Karsawaka uh, for the who's fighting for the vacant belt. So it just kind of feels a bit. I think Billy Joe, don't get me wrong, he's done some stupid things and the thing the other week with the video was stupid, but this is this is a bit more this is like a bit too much. You know, he's had his he's had his fine. I don't accept what he did. I'm never gonna accept what he did. But it's just like Calm has come around and just bit him on the arse more than once here because of what's happened a couple of weeks ago. So I do feel for him, I really do. Let's have a look at other news then. Let's just not focus solely on that. It's other stuff going on, obviously we've talked about the Mark Heffron, Jason Wellborn fight coming up, so I'm really, really chuffed that that's happening and chuffed for Mark that that's happening as well. 
Also, Eddie Hearn, as always, we've got to talk a little bit about Mr. Hearn because he's always throwing stuff out there about fights. He's saying that he thinks there's a 70% chance I may care and care what's going to happen. That's something that I've been hearing and reading all week that that's going to happen in possibly early next year. I think they need they need to have this fight now before it becomes way too late. I think it's a little bit too late now for them to be going in against each other, but it will still sell tickets, it will still go on box office, it'll still make money. So, well, the the time is probably right in, in business sense. Get it done, give the fans what they want. He's also talking about making two really, really good fights in America. Dimitri Bivol versus Baterbiev and Daniel Jacobs and Demetrius Andrade, should they both win their upcoming middleweight fights. So, they sound like really good fights. There'd be ones that I'd be really interested in if they came off. So that's going to be good if he can actually get them going on. We're talking about Luis Ortiz and Dillian White. There's a lot of talk of them actually going at it in December. And it looks like it's the same night as Frampton versus Warrington if it does come off. Now, both men have said they want it. Both men have said they want this fight. And Wilder's even chipped in and said he'd fight the winner. If Dillian White overcame Ortiz, he'd fight Dillian White. And I feel for Dillian White. Because he's just a guy that is just fighting his way for every opponent put in front of him and testing himself against as many be- you know many good fighters as possible, and he just doesn't seem to be getting to that top level. He's like he's he's like he's the substitutes bench for Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua is the main man in Matchroom, and Dillian White's just the sub on the bench. Do you know like what could you what could you compare him to? Like I won't even say like he's an impact player like. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was for Man United in the Champions League 99 final. You know, it's 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 just a substitute. It's just a backup plan, basically. So I do hope he gets a fight with Ortiz. It'd be a really good fight. It really would tell us if Dillian White has got that chance of being able to beat someone like Deontay Wilder should that fight ever come off, depending upon the Fury Wilder result. So that's going to be an interesting few weeks to find out whether that does happen and whether it does happen this year or whether it doesn't. So it's another big fight that I haven't touched on yet, and I've saved it to last because the, the, the social media world and the boxing world was shocked, shocked to the core last week when the announcement of Canelo Alvarez's next opponent came up and it was Rocky Fielding for his WBA super middleweight title. Oh, my word. My word. What is going on in boxing at the moment? It just seems to be absolutely mental that some of these fights can just crop up and take place. I was never expecting this for the life of me to happen. I mean, insiders probably knew about it. I honestly didn't think we were gonna we were gonna get this. Really, I am like super super shocked that this has come off. But I am really happy for Rocky Fielding getting the chance to box at Madison Square Garden against one of the pound for pound best in the world and a guy that will go down as a Hall of Famer, given what he's already done in boxing, regardless of whether he's a drug cheat and regardless of how I personally feel about that drugs issue, he is going to go down as a, a historical fighter because of what he's achieved so far in boxing and what he still could go on to achieve. So he's making a jump up in weight to fight Rocky Fielding, but then does he go back down again to fight for middleweight titles again? It's just, just, dead, it's just a bit mad how they can just jump up so quickly and still get the opportunity to fight in the middleweight division for the crowns he's just beat Golovkin for. So, I wasn't expecting that. I don't think nobody was. And nobody's giving Rocky Fielding a cat and chance. And I think they're fair. I think they're fair to assume 
that Canelo's going to win this one. And I can understand why. I really can. In boxing, you just never know. But, a big but, I am saying Canelo wins this now. I, I, he's just too good of a fighter, regardless of everything else surrounding it. He is too good of a fighter. And Rocky Fielding is cashing out and cashing out now. And I don't blame him because this will be a big money fight for him. Probably the biggest payday he'll get. Fighting in a place where he never probably thought he'd ever get the opportunity to fight in. I don't blame him for it. I really don't. If you can get out with all that money and your health intact, fair play to you. If he's done what he's wanted to set out to achieve, which is a winner world title, he's done that. And if he goes and fights against a big fighter, elite level fighter like that, and he comes up short, but he gets loads of money for it, then fair enough. I have a fair play to him. You know, I can't give him nothing but respect for taking the fight. So, that's about it for me. Because it's just me on my own this week. We've got lots of other podcasts coming up in the next week. The Hagler Hearns, when I keep talking about it, is going to get done. And we are going to get it out there for you. I'm hopefully going to be speaking to Ernie Shavers in the life and times of. And I'm hopefully going to be also speaking to Michael Spinks in the life and times of. So, quite an exciting couple of weeks coming up for Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. So, finally, give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a share. Go on all the iTunes Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you want to find us, wherever your preference is to listen to us, go on there and follow, subscribe, rate, review, subscribe. I keep saying it. I just don't see enough people doing it. So please, please get on there and do it. And you know where to find us on the social now, at BTR Boxing Pod and Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast on Facebook and Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast.podbean.com on the website. And you can find every single episode on there, all the historical ones if you've not listened to them, especially the singular ones that we've done. Get on there and have a listen to them. But I will be back, hopefully, with another guest next week on the episode. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. And I will speak to you next time on the podcast. Network.